So let's go back to the, to the Lord's Prayer. That's what we're walking through as we're doing this study on, on prayer. What is biblical prayer? And, and as we come and we ask these things of the Lord, we're now working through this model of prayer that the Lord gives to us as believers. Like, you want to know what prayer is? Here is the Lord's description of what prayer should look like, of the things that we should be praying. So what sort of things are you and I supposed to be asking of God? What sort of things are we supposed to be coming to Him with? We're always concerned. Is this this something I should ask the Lord for? And Jesus gives us a list of things, a list of things to ask Him, uh, things to bring to our Heavenly Father, models these and tells us, hey, when you pray, I want you to pray like this, okay? This is how he wants you to pray. And so what we've been doing for the last several weeks is walking through, well, what is Jesus telling us in this short prayer? We looked at it. I mean, you can say the Lord's Prayer in less than seven seconds. Uh, so what is Jesus teaching us? Like if he's going to wrap up what prayer is and model it in these seven seconds, what, what, is, what is found in these requests? And so let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's read this passage from Matthew As Matthew writes the words of our Christ under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, beginning in verse 9, Jesus tells him, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today, that we would bring all of these requests to you. Not just today, but that we would model this prayer, as Jesus says, in in all of our prayers. And Father, that you would teach us what it means uh, in these these words that we would learn today about our daily bread. uh, And that, Father, we would glorify you in all that we learn. May we worship you, Father, and may we come to you with every request, knowing that you are a good Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we've been, we've been moving that we saw what it means uh, for God's name to be hallowed, for his name to be holified. Uh, we saw, we, we looked at that, we've seen his kingdom come, we've talked about his will be done. Now, remember, we've got this shift in the Lord's Prayer. We go from asking things for his sake, right, uh, your name, your kingdom, your will. Now in the second half or second table, as we've called it, in order to sort of match the, the Ten Commandments, we've got the second table where the focus is, is usward. So we talked about the Godward prayers and now the usward, the focusing on the things that we are asking for, for our sakes, uh, on our behalf. Uh, and so the first thing that we're supposed to ask the Lord, the first thing that Jesus tells us to ask our Heavenly Father is, give us this day our daily bread. And that's not new to you. We've looked, at, we've looked at that. We've looked at the very rich picture, right, biblically, of asking God for bread. We've, looked, we've walked through Old Testament, New Testament to see what is wrapped up in the phrase bread. Give us bread. We've seen that its meanings can range everything from a simple loaf of bread to eventually the word bread just meant all food uh, to even bread just meaning everything that I might need. Everything I need for life is bread. Uh, we, we saw that. We saw that it is a picture. Bread is a picture of the presence of God. It's a picture of the word of God and a picture of the son of God, who is himself uh, the bread of life. So when Jesus tells us to pray, to go to the father and ask for bread, 
We said, it's kind of funny. When we look at those, we would say that's the most simple one. Like, well, I don't really need bread. Uh, why am I going to God and asking for bread? Uh, we see that that's not a simple request. It is not a minor request to go to the Lord and ask for bread. To ask for God. I mean, the image is captured in that request. If we understand all the biblical imagery and symbolism, but the, but the literal and spiritual pictures wrapped up in asking God for bread... That is no simple request. Give us bread. Father, feed us. Heavenly Father, give us all that we need. Father, be with us. Father, teach us your word. Father, give us your son, the bread of life. All of those wrapped up just in the picture of give us bread. But Jesus doesn't just say that we're to go to the Father and say, Father, Give us bread. It's not, uh, and then we get to the section and, and give us bread. And then forgive us our debts. It's more than just give us bread. It's give us this day our daily bread. So there, there are actually, there's three modifiers added to bread. We've got, it's not just bread. It is our bread. But it's not just our bread. It is our daily bread. And it's not just our daily bread. It is give us this our daily bread and give it to us this day. And so what do those things mean? Why, if, if, if give us bread is so rich and deep, how is Jesus adding to that picture by adding these words? Why is it important enough to add, uh, if, if so much is wrapped up just in that prayer, give us bread, how does Jesus deepen this prayer Make it even more meaningful by asking not just for bread, but for our daily bread this day. I mean, if Jesus had just said, just give us bread. I mean, we spent, we spent a few weeks looking at just what it means for God to give us bread. Yet God doesn't just leave it at bread. God expands it to say this. Give us our, give us our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So we're going to look at those in order, because we're going to think that every word from the mouth of God is important, so we're not going to skip them. Um, And today we're going to look at the question, what does it mean that it is our bread? Look, the first modifier added in the Greek, the first thing added is our bread. Give us our bread. What what meaning is attached to the idea of, of our bread? Because again, remember, if you remember from Matthew, this isn't really a group prayer. This isn't, these people aren't just sitting around uh, and, you know, one person's talking and everyone else is there and it'd be rude for him to be like, give me my bread. And everyone else is like, well, what about my bread, buddy? Uh, this is everyone has gone into their room, into a secret place. They've even shut the door. And this is how they pray. So you've gone into your room by yourself. You've shut the door. You're all alone. And yet, what do you ask? Give us and our bread. So what does it mean? Why our bread? What sort of things does the Bible teach us about the ourness? Not really a word, but we'll make it one. The ourness of bread. The first thing we see when the Bible talks about our bread, the Bible teaches us that we have been blessed by God in order to bless. That our bread relates the idea that we have been blessed in order for us to bless. That God blesses us, but the purpose of His blessing us is so that we might use that to be a blessing for others in terms of bread. 
God provides for all so that we might provide for each other. The Bible is clear that God blesses each of us so that we might be able to bless one another in a time of need. This is true both personally, that God has blessed you personally, so you might personally have this. It's also true corporately, that God has blessed our church body, so we might corporately help those in need. And that's important for us. It's important for us to get this as we walk through it for several reasons. One, uh, this has been lost in our society in a few ways. One is we don't ever like to ask for help. And so what happens is God has blessed other people in the church in order to help you when you come to a time of difficulty. But if we think I'm not going to ask, instead of the Bible expecting, yeah, I kind of blessed other people so that when you were in need, they could provide that need. Uh, so maybe be humble a little bit and just accept the blessing of the Lord in that. A lot of times, and I, people will more likely run to loan sharks than they will the church for help. They'll run to a payday loan place. Before they'll run to the church and say, look, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? And then what happens is, I don't know if you know any payday loan places, but that is not the place you want to turn uh, for help because you end up just getting in deeper, deeper issues. So I want you guys to know that the church has blessed all of us, including us individually, because there might come a time where you are going to be in need. And I want you to realize that God has set up bread for others. You're not taking their bread God has given them bread for the purpose of blessing you if you're ever in a time of need. The other reason I want us to do that is so that we won't turn to the government for help instead of turning to the church. That we'll realize that the church has been made and then, and then if, if everyone turns to the government, then the church just quits doing it. And guess what the government does? Uh, and they become expansive and the church loses this aspect of church life. So I think this is something that has been lost sometimes and we need to, we need to kind of just shuck it and, and take the blessing from the Lord. Uh, but within, within the church, it is our duty. It is our duty to take care of one another. If we're in need. I mean, this is a common pick. A common, look, turn to the book of Acts. That's where we're going to be to start off that the common picture in the book of Acts is taking care of one another, using the bread that God has given us, seeing it not just as my bread, but as our bread. For example, God has given us our daily bread by providing for us through each other. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. Go to Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Here we see the early church realize that God's provision of daily bread might be met through each other. So if, if we have a church member in need, or you had a church member in need here, who, whose actual physical daily bread wasn't being met, then we realize that God has given us a surplus beyond our daily need so that we might make sure that they are taken care of. Even to the point, look here, of what? Down in verse 45. Even to the point of selling your possessions that we don't need ultimately, to make sure that they have what they do need. This isn't, this isn't the early church looking going, I've got a little bit left in my savings. 
Or I'll, I'll dip into, you know, I had something I was saving off till Christmas. We were going on a little trip. Uh, not just doing that. This is even selling their stuff to, if they needed to take care of a brother or sister in need of daily bread. A brother or sister who, who, whose daily bread was met by God providing them with bread so that they might take care of each other. And again, this wasn't a one-time occurrence in the early church. It was the habit of people. It was even the teaching of the apostles. Acts chapter 4. Go to Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. So we see a passage very similar to what we saw in Acts chapter 2, right? One of the ways the unity of the church was demonstrated was in recognizing that my bread is really our bread. Or that my land or my house might actually end up needing to be our bread. Today it might be my car is actually our bread. So when we pray, when we pray for our daily bread, we must realize that as God answers that prayer beyond our daily needs, that there is a communal necessity to taking care of each other. That God provides for us that we might provide for each other. In Acts, we see this on the personal level. But in 2 Corinthians, I said this is both personal and corporate, in 2 Corinthians, you see it on the corporate level. You see it at the church level. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because here's the question, what if you don't have a person, what if you have a church that all that they have are in need? What if we as a church, we've got everything we need, and then, you know, God has supplied our daily bread that there might be the case where God has supplied our daily bread as a church so that we can provide not just the daily bread amongst one another, but so that we might provide the daily bread for other believers, for other churches. That's what was going on in 2 Corinthians. The church in Jerusalem was in trouble. And so as a, a, a collection was taken by other churches to meet the daily bread needs of that church, This is our daily bread, but at a a church level. This this became our our daily bread like at a a, a body of Christ level. So 2 Corinthians 8, beginning in verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. In other words, he's not saying, I'm not saying you need to pay for everybody's Netflix here. I'm not saying, we're talking about genuine physical needs of bread, of survival. This isn't, I over-purchased on my house, and then you just go, we'll sell your house and downsize. You don't just need the, you know, whatever. Uh, he says, but as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about the need of the church in Jerusalem. So that their abundance may supply your need. In other words, if Jerusalem's doing great, they're going to look at Corinth. If Corinth's not doing well and supply for them, 
that there may be fairness, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. It's not, he's saying, it's not that the churches are going to lose their daily bread in order to supply someone else's daily bread. He said, I'm not saying that, I'm not, that's what he says, he says, I don't mean that others should be eased in you burden. So you take, you know, the, let's say the, the church just has their daily bread and they're, they're just, it's like they have to give their food and say, sorry, you know, we're just going to starve uh, and give it to another church. And then that church gets it and goes, hey, Corinth is starving. Let's give it back. And like this back and forth where no one actually gets to eat it. Uh, it's saying, I'm, it, it's not, it's not that the church loses their daily bread in, in order to supply another person's daily bread, but rather that God has intentionally blessed their church in Corinth, has intentionally blessed each body so that they might help other believers who are in need and vice versa. And note, Paul says that this isn't something new. Where does Paul go to explain it? Paul goes back to the book of, uh, of, of Numbers, uh, back to the book of Exodus. He goes back, he goes back all the way to manna, Right? And what does he say? Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Paul says this is just an expansion of what happened in the time of manna. With manna, no one was given more so that they could stockpile. And no one, no one who didn't gather was left without. This isn't some new thing that I'm asking the church to do. This isn't some new hip you know, uh, sort of, you know, churchy way. I, I just really, I think all of a sudden we should, maybe we should think about supplying each other's needs. Uh, he's like, look, this is the way it's always been for the people of God. Whoever gathers much has nothing left over. Whoever gathered not little had no lack. Our daily bread is used to meet the needs of others. That's why it is not my bread, but our bread. If you remember, this is the example that Jesus gave when he was talking about the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Because remember, in the two passages, both times that Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6 and in Luke 11, in Matthew 6, he gives the Lord's Prayer, and then he starts talking about forgiveness, that aspect of the Lord's Prayer. In Luke 11, he gives the Lord's Prayer, and then he starts talking about bread. Uh, and that's what happens in Luke 11. Just after the Lord's Prayer, and he starts talking immediately about bread, that's why we get his insight, sort of his exposition on the idea of daily bread, what did he say in Luke eleven five and 6? He talks about the man. The man said to them, his owner said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. So here, this, this, the, 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 the fulfillment of this man's request for bread, for daily bread, was to give him more bread than he actually needed. Because the recognition was that he needs excess bread in order to help others good. So this request for daily bread that Jesus is working out in this request to the Father, he goes to the Father and asks for three loaves. Why? Because he's not just feeding him. He doesn't think his daily bread is just about feeding him. He says, I need three loaves so I can take care of them. Because they don't. So he's not getting three loaves and going, ha, 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 I got three loaves. Uh, you know, it's, he gets the three loaves. He asks for three loaves. He recognizes that he needs more bread than he himself needs because it is not just his bread. It is their bread. It is our bread. That this, his daily bread was actually their daily bread. So when you and I are praying for our daily bread, 
We are praying that God would supply our needs. That God would supply everything that we need. There's this, this, this recognition, though, that this prayer isn't just about everything that I need, but everything that we need. It is our daily bread. We're also recognizing that God supplies the needs of all of us, sometimes by richly blessing some of us. That there is an extra responsibility for us if God gives us excess bread. If God blesses you with excess bread, it does not become your bread. It always remains his bread to be used as our bread if needed. That you and I must be prepared, if needed, to sell our excess to provide for a brother or sister in need. And that might seem crazy to imagine right now. Right? The idea, like, I mean, because again, what we're talking about isn't someone overspending. It's not someone getting into credit card debt. It's not anything like, it's not those sorts of things. It's making sure that a brother and sister are fed, that they're not going to die. Right? This isn't some sort of Christian communism where we all just sort of end up living in, in poverty, per se. This is, this is us, if a brother and sister in need, I don't take my three loaves. So he doesn't take his three loaves and just start passing out loaves. He takes three loaves to meet the specific need of an individual within the body of Christ. And right now it might seem like, oh, well, that's, that's never going to happen. Or it might seem to you like that's never going to happen because you're living paycheck to paycheck right now. And the idea of having excess bread seems astounding. You're like, well, this, I'm not the excess bread guy. Uh, you're looking around going did you hear that people did you hear that I just want you to just remember that things are really tight right now but the truth is you're you're blessed probably more than you realize and what you must understand even if right now you feel like you're on the level of the person who needs bread rather than the person who who gives gives bread you 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 still have to set in your mind the recognition that at some point you must be willing to sell it all in order to keep a brother or sister from starving. You've got to be willing to sell it all if someone, but I'm not, again, I'm not just saying, I'm saying you better be willing to sell all of your possessions because you realize those things are not your things, they're his things, and you're going to use, he's given them to you to take care of his children. And again, right now, that might seem crazy for us to think about that ever being a reality. But we've still got to be prepared for it. We've still got to be prepared for it if it ever does become a reality. And that not only just individually, but our church, our church has that same responsibility. And again, that might seem crazy to us as a church right now. That if the Lord blesses us more than we need, that there may come a time where a, a good godly church hits a rough patch and it is our biblical responsibility to provide money to help that church out if we're more blessed not to just recolor something or recarpet something or expand or buy a new set of laser lights or something like that have another maybe another church can't pay their pastors how great would it be if our church was there to help out that church because we had excess Oh, what else could we spend it on? But helping a good godly church and a good godly man survive. There might come a time where we have that, where we need to be ready to do that. We've got to have that expectation, that understanding. That's the Christian responsibility there. 
The Bible has a, a group expectation for our individual financial situations. When God gives you bread, remember the excess is never just meant for you. Uh, it, it might be meant for us. And again, like I said, this, this might seem crazy in our so blessed world that we live in, or all of us. I mean, we're not hungering for bread. We're sad that we can't eat out every meal, you know. Uh, our, ours is like, I, I don't have the, sorry, I don't have the budget to, you know, eat at Freddy's with you this week. And like, things are really tough. Uh, not really, you know, uh, compared to the rest of the world. Uh, it might seem like this is something that isn't for, for us right now. But we've got, to underst- we've got to already be understanding the nature of God's provision and teaching that to one another. So that if a time comes, time comes now, we're in a generation or two or ten, that our church will have sown the seeds so that our children's children will know how to use excess bread if people in the church ever start running out of it. That we know how to, we know that we're already thinking about those things so that if a time does come where someone is in need of bread, we realize that God has given us in order that we might give to one another. So again, right now, this may not be a situation that we are are dealing with. This may not be, I'm not calling and saying, hey, look, so-and-so, they don't have food right now. We've got to take care of them. We got to, like those calls aren't happening, but they can happen. And if they do, if we don't already understand these principles, for our daily bread, then we're not going to be prepared to not just give our excess, but to sell if needed in order to provide for them. So learn this, teach it to yourselves, teach it to your kids, teach it to your grandkids, uh, to, you know, to a thousand generations or whatever. But again, so that's, the, that's an idea of what we must do with our physical bread. But as often is the case, bread is not just physical, right? There's also a spiritual reality uh, as well. It is not just our physical bread. It is our spiritual bread. Our spiritual bread. Okay, you, might, you would think that the, the, sort of the end of the pictures of bread, the spiritual pictures of bread would be what we looked at last, that Jesus is our bread. But the Bible actually expands on that even more, tying us back to Jesus as our bread to teach us that when Christians... Uh, and we see this in the importance of Christians breaking bread together, breaking our bread together. Uh, we see bread, our bread, as a symbol of Christian unity. Our bread. That when you and I take our bread together, it is picturing our spiritual unity in Christ. The early Christian church, we saw this in a couple of passages, the early Christian church practiced regularly the breaking of bread together. It was a common practice of their worship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. we We think of being devoted to God's word. But the church of the apostles was voted devoted to the apostles' teaching, voted to the, devoted to the word of God, but also devoted to fellowshipping, devoted to breaking bread together. It would be, I mean, it would be, it would be shocking. And this is, again, this is so funny. There's different churches and different times just get different myopathies. Uh, it, would be, it would be shocking for us to have church without preaching or without prayer 
But it would have been just as shocking for them to come and be at a church service that didn't have fellowshipping and the breaking of bread together. Because they devoted themselves to those things. Acts 2.46, we see the same thing. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So, okay, you say they were devoted. How devoted were they? You know, it's like setting up like a joke. You know, they were so devoted. How devoted were they? Uh, they were day by day gathering together in the temple and breaking bread in each other's homes. They devoted themselves to this day by day, day after day, together in the temple, together in their homes. I mean, we might, and so when you, I mean, we must be a people who would open our homes every day to each other, if need be. Not a people who celebrate, you know, I'm willing to do it. Let's, hey, I've, how about once a month, we'd be willing to let somebody within the fortress uh, you know, and then after that, we're like, lock it down, lock it down. Uh, devoted to fellowship, devoted to breaking bread. Woo. I mean, we've got to be devoted to those things. The early church was devoted to those things. And this descriptiveness of it is not something that we're missing. Oh, well, that's really neat. Way to go, early church. It's meant to be a model for us. The breaking of bread. Yes, the apostles' teaching. Absolutely essential. Something we should be devoted to. Yes, prayer. Obviously, something every church, every time we get together, we must have. But also, they're devoted to fellowshipping. They're devoted to breaking bread together. In fact, this is what they did. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered, so on the Lord's Day, when we were gathered together to do what? To break bread. First day of the week, when we gathered together to have our worship service. First day of the week, when we gathered together to, to listen to the preaching of God's word. I mean, those all would be things that would have happened on that day. But how did Acts 20 describe it? On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight, which is why I read that every week and say, yeah, doing better than Paul. Uh, Breaking bread together was part of their weekly Lord's Day. I mean, how can we read these verses? The verses we read in Acts 2, the verses we read here in Acts 20, how can we read these verses and not break bread together every week? How can we read these verses and go, well, I'm sure that was just cultural, or I'm sure it's not really that important. When did the church start reading these verses and say, eh, nothing really to see there? Or just to read them and go, stop at, uh, devoted to the apostles' teaching, and then stop at prayer. And no, we can't just blame the Catholics. We can't just blame the Catholics and say it was all just because, you know, they, it just became about the work worked, and so whatever, and so people just got used to coming to church and then leaving. And I get there, I do my, my holies, and I sing my hymns, and I re- hear the preaching, and then I get out. I pray, so I did the, I did the bookends. How can we not see that in the breaking of bread around a table or the table of the Lord, that the Lord has provided our daily bread, that we are able to see the picture of our daily bread when we break it together? And the early church realized that. 
They realize there's something important in the church being together and breaking our bread. And again, we've seen that bread was a term that meant just, you know, could mean just everything. And, and all of our food. That, that, that's why people still do it today. Today, We say, well, hey, let's break bread together sometime. And they don't mean let's get together and snap a loaf of bread in half and then go about our business. They mean let's eat together. How can we not see those? Breaking bread together, either through a common meal or through the Lord's Supper, was an important part, a foundational part of Christian worship. For the, for the people who were taught by the apostles, the people who were living with the apostles, the people who were being preached to by the apostles. This is what Christ sent them out to teach and to do. These Christians and these passages, I mean, this is, I mean, this is one of the reasons that we instituted both more taking of the Lord's Supper and starting a common meal on our Lord's Day. Why did we do that? Because, I mean, we had other things. We had, we had other times that were devoted to various things, but not one time for these two important parts of Christian worship. Because the Bible lists those things as important activities for the church, around things the church was devoted to, and they centered around bread and church life. Look, if you, if you, if you skip our lunches together, or if you skip the Lord's Supper, that breaking of bread, which somehow become well, I never skip that. But so whichever breaking of bread you skip, if you skip any of those, you're skipping something the Bible lists specifically as multiple times as an essential part of Christian worship. This is not something Zachary and I said. The church needs to do this. Why? So our wives don't have to cook, right? This is something the church needs. Why would we do this? Because you can't read those passages and not do it. You can't read those passages and say, I don't need to break bread. I got other stuff to do. You cannot look at the things the church was devoted to and skip them any more than you could skip the preaching of God's word. Any more than you could skip prayer. What are they about to do? They're just going to pray? I'm out. What are they about to do? They're about to preach? I already did the singing. See you later. We must be devoted to those things as a body of Christ. Why? Now look, I also understand that the church that sometimes as pastors, you're pastoring against decades of other church concrete, right? That it is hard to change and to realize something is important that maybe you have never thought of in your life. But we cannot look at these passages and see anything other than churches breaking bread, the body of Christ breaking bread and fellowshipping together on the Lord's day is absolutely essential for the Christian church. It is something that we must be devoted to, to the same level that you're devoted to good preaching, good praying, being devoted to these things. We must be. Now, why? Why is this so essential? Why is breaking bread important for church life? How does it teach us unity? Turn to 1 Corinthians 10. Why? Why do we break bread together? 1 Corinthians 10 is going to tell us what is symbolized in the breaking of bread in the church. When you and I break bread, either over a common meal or over the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. The bread that we break 
Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Breaking bread together in a common meal, in the Lord's table, that breaking bread together is a symbol of our unity in Christ. There's one loaf, one bread, and we all partake of that singular loaf. Though we are many, though we have many backgrounds, many needs, many struggles, many stories, one bread is able to feed us all. There is in the breaking of bread a reminder that we are one. A reminder that can be forgotten when we come in and sit in our disparate pews, say our hidey hoes and our hellos and sit down and listen and then walk out and leave. There is a reminder in that stopping and breaking bread and having a meal together that reminds us who the bread is for all of us. That there's one thing that we all needed. One bread that fed us all and still feeds us all today. When we pray for our daily bread, we're reminding ourselves that the Christian life was meant to be lived together. Not meant to be lived in our little cloisters. They just come together once every seven days to do our, to do our services and, and go back. The Christian life was meant to be lived together. That you, you are not the body of Christ. We are. We are fed together. The same food. The same nourishment. That when we take together, it is our daily bread that the Lord has given us. When we go in there and we gather around that little kitchen and all those soups and dips and salads and whatever, what we're gathering around is the Lord's answer. God, give us our daily bread. And we see that he does that and he does that for us. For us. When when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. No, we were. We were. He would have died just for you, but he didn't. He died for us. Jesus isn't your bread. He is our daily bread. And when we break bread together, we are remembering that. And Jesus tells us when we pray, we're to ask for our daily bread so that we might never forget it. Let's pray. Let's take a moment and just respond to what we've seen and and however you need to respond. We've heard the word of God. We've seen what God has told us in his word. We've seen the things that he has described in the early church, the things that he's taught us about this. Ask yourself, how do you, how do you view the, God, the, the bread that God provides you daily? The first thing that we looked at, how are you looking at the daily bread that God gives you? Do you see this, all the provisions and blessings from God? Do you see it as your bread or our bread? 
What would you have looked like in, in the early church? Would you, would you have sold everything if a brother and sister was in need? Would you have sold everything that you had? Land, homes, possessions to help brothers and sisters? Or do you just see it all as your stuff? Are you prepared to give it all away if need be? Are you preparing your children to give it all away? As they see you pursuing bread, do they realize that you're pursuing bread because there might be a moment where there are a great number of people in the church in need of bread and if the Lord blesses you with an umpteenth jillion amount of things, you're always going to be ready to sell it all. You can say, look kids, the Lord has greatly blessed us, but I want you to know at the drop of that, we're going to get rid of all of it to take care of Christ's bride. You teaching your children that? Or do they see in you just a constant pursuit of bread and never telling them why? or what the bread might need to be used for one day. How about the second thing? How are you devoting yourself to the breaking of bread with other believers? What children of Christian would you have looked like in Acts chapter 2? Could you use those verses to describe your own life? That you are devoted to the fellowshipping, devoted to the breaking of bread? Are you truncating, in many ways, the message of the gospel that is seen when believers are gathered around breaking bread together and the outside world is able to see the unity and love that is meant to to show them the genuineness of Christ? Or are they never able to see that? Because the only Christian they ever see is you, by yourself, being you. Or do they see you around brothers and sisters different from you? Gathering the stuff you have together, the Lord feeding you, you fellowshipping, you rejoicing because Christ has made you one. Are we missing you at the table? At the Lord's table? We're at our communal table? So fix it. I mean, it's simple. The scripture puts these passages in here not so we can just be chastised, but so we might repent and go, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Now I see it in the word. And every time you pray for daily bread, just remember how important we are for each other in answering that prayer, both in our physical bread and in seeing our spiritual bread, both in the bread that God has given us and how God has provided each of us with that one loaf, that one bread that is Christ, and that we're able to remember when we break bread together. Our Father, not just my Father, but our Father in heaven. We come to you today, God, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for, I thank you for how simple this, this Lord's Prayer looks. And yet, as, as this prayer of our Christ causes us to dig deeper into what else you teach us in the word about bread and the importance of, of bread for our lives and for one another and, and for, for showing the reality of Christ for living that out, even in the simple act of breaking bread together. I'm thankful for how rich this prayer is, Father. That I can pray in seven seconds something that I couldn't talk about in 30 years. That I can lift up in a moment needs that could encompass my entire life. And probably deeper needs than I ever even realized when I was mouthing those words. How many years of my life did I pray for daily bread and not even realize how deep and rich that prayer was 
but the murmuring of a toddler. And yet you knew what I was asking for. You knew what it meant. And you knew how you would give it, not just to me, but to us. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for how you teach us in your word. I thank, I thank you, Father, for how you feed us. Through this, every, every piece of bread that we might live upon. And I'm thankful for Christ. Who is broken for us. For us. That we might break bread together. May we never forget him. And may we never forget one another. Give us this day our daily bread. It's in Christ's name we, we pray. Amen.